Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Atlanta Hawks staved off elimination on Tuesday thanks to Trey Young's clutch shooting. Can Atlanta force a Game 7? Also, the Suns had a golden opportunity to put away the Clippers, and we'll explain why Will Levis was not at the top of the first round in our mock draft special. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Atlanta Hawks. They didn't hear no damn bell. 37 in the fourth quarter, and they keep their series alive with a 119-117 win over the Boston Celtics in game five. The series now at three games to two, still an uphill battle, but not over yet. Brad Rowland from Locked On Hawks joins me now. And Brad, this was Trey Young. He hits the dagger at the end. He had 38 in this one, now 33 shots. What was working for Atlanta in this game? Yeah, I mean, Trey was the biggest story. He scored the last 14 points in a row for Atlanta as well, on top of everything else. So clearly he's the hero, and reservedly so. Like, not the most efficient performance in the world, like you sort of alluded to there, but he kind of had to be a high-volume guy in this game. With no DeJounte Murray, that's kind of the looming thing that made it even more difficult for the Hawks in this spot with him with him suspended. And Trey was brilliant really the entire way, not quite like making everything until the very end of the game, but made enough plays. And beyond him, though, I would say three-point shooting. I mean, this is the first time in the series the Hawks soundly outshot the Celtics, and they kind of had to. They were undermanned, and I circled that before the game even started. Like, the Hawks have no chance in this game if they don't take a lot of threes and make a lot of threes and hope in Boston doesn't make very many. And that exact, exact, that's sort of exactly what happened, and that's why the Hawks were able to kind of eke over the finish line. Yeah, remarkable. The Celtics shot 53% from the floor in this game um, and lost because the, the Hawks made threes and, and Boston didn't. So moving forward, um, you know, the, the future of this team seems to be at stake here. Just before we get to what's next in this series, do you think we've already reached a point where we can stave off some of the uncomfortable conversations of the offseason? Does a game like this or the two games that they've taken in this series, is that already enough to stop those conversations? I don't think it stops them, but I think it's sort of a proof of concept kind of thing where it does help you. You, you never want to overreact to one or two games, especially if they go on and lose the series, which I think people are still going to pick them to do probably despite this win. And I think that this is a team that it will surprise me if they just run it back with all of what they thought coming into the season to be 41 and 41 with reasonable health is not where they wanted to be. And I don't think this is going to change that boring some crazy playoff run here. So they're going to make some tweaks. I think with regard to potentially the Trey Young stuff, I think that I've never kind of really bought it. I think he's going to be around at least for at least for a while. And maybe if he were to ask out, it might be different. But I kind of of the mind where they're not going to be ready to move on from him anyway, in my uh, in sort of informed opinion at this point in time. So um, maybe some uncomfortable conversations along the way after the season. But I do think that it might, it doesn't matter on some level that they were able to go out and do this, get one on the road and make this more competitive and make uh, sort of uh, sort of forecast they might be able to do. Without DeJounte Murray, um, that meant John Collins had to take and make more shots. He did, four of nine from three in this one. And, and his shooting, especially over the second half of the season, had just not been there for this team. If he's not making shots, there are a lot of times where it's just like, can he be out there? Is this something that you think is sustainable potentially for him? Like, could is it possible that they found something here, or is this more likely just a one-off? 
it's kind of both. They had to have this from supporting guys, not not just Collins, but you know guys like DeAndre Hunter and McDonavich. They had to make shots. And Collins, um, I think Boston correctly has been leaving him open in this series, and he's not been making them pay. He made them pay in this game with four of nine from three. And it's long been a topic of conversation in Atlanta about how Collins is just so underutilized. Like his best trait is he's just, he's this great pick and roll player, and they never run pick and roll with him anymore. Uh, they kind of made him this very low usage sort of floor spacer guy. I do believe that it's not Murray's fault, but without Murray, they kind of use Collins in a more role that was kind of what he used to be able to do. More comfortable for him, probably. Less less of a pure spot-up guy. So maybe that was part of it. He also just made some shots. And sometimes you have to make shots. As you well know, uh, these role players, they have to just knock down threes at some point and over to get you over the finish line. So it's a little bit of everything. I'm sure it was a good confidence boost for him. And the Hawks definitely need him to contribute in a way that he had not been offensively in this series. So not a coincidence to me that they were able to get this win with him doing a much better job this one. How do you add all of this in to what DeJounte Murray would potentially bring? He he was suspended for this game for what happened after um, the, the last game when he went after an official. If he's going to be back in game six, how does that change the tenor of, of what you expect? It does make life easier for the Hawks. You know, Trey Young played over 44 minutes in game five. Uh, and they basically can't afford to do that over and over again. I mean, he's he's a small guy. He's very tough. He's very durable, but that's a big workload for him. And I think that's one big thing is that Murray takes a lot of usage away from Trey in a in a good way. He, he allows him to have somebody else that can, that can run a pick and roll and get his own shot. So having him back on offense will help things defensively. We'll see. Murray's struggling this year on, on the end of the floor, but just having another guy with the ability to um, with the ability to score and distribute and just another talented player helps them. And also being back at home is maybe even more important than having Murray back. So a pretty puncher's chance for the Hawks in game six. Of course, game seven would still lose if they were to win it, but game six on paper is even easier than game five would have been for the Hawks. Stay up to date all year on the Atlanta Hawks by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Hawks on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Suns had a golden opportunity to put away the Clippers on Tuesday. Before we get to that, Deer and Fox plans to play in game five for the Kings. Looking for a delicious snack, but don't want all the sugar and the calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. I eat them every day on days that I work out, on days that I don't work out, on days that I'm on the go, and on days that I'm at home. I need healthier snack choices. I'm a parent. I work full time. And so this is, uh, it is hard to find healthy snacks that also taste great. That's where Built Bar comes in 100% real dark chocolate on the outside with flavors like peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, the cookies and cream puff. It's unbelievable. Only 130 calories and four grams of sugar, a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait to get a box. I get them at Built.com all the time. But if you're out and about, you're at Walmart, you're at Sam's Club, you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. But if you're out and about, You can just grab a box, grab and go. Grab a four-bar box, cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puff at Walmart, or the 13-bar box at Sam's Club with brownie batter puff, which is unbelievable, by the way. Go check that out, and you can thank me later. So we all know how ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But here's something you might not know. You can also unlock movies shows that are only available in other countries. If you're like me, you've mostly run out of stuff to watch on Netflix, but this will change your world, your actual world, because you can watch, let's say The Office on UK Netflix, stuff that you might not have access to 
where you are. It's so simple to use. All you have to do is just fire up ExpressVPN, change the location to the UK, refresh Netflix, and that is it. And it is so easy to change your location. It's just right there. It's a button. Just click it. And you can pick from a hundred different countries. So just imagine all the Netflix libraries you can go through. And it's not just Netflix. You can go Hulu, BBC, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason I use VPN from ExpressVPN is because it's ridiculously fast. I don't even notice that it's on. I've never noticed any lag or any degradation in the quality of what I'm watching. And it goes on your phone, your media consoles, your smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on the big screen or on the go. So if you want access to hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash locked right now, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash locked, expressvpn.com slash locked to learn more. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Sacramento Kings guard De'Aaron Fox says he is planning to play game five against the Golden State Warriors on Wednesday, despite a fractured index finger on his shooting hand. Fox participated in non-contact practice on Tuesday and told reporters afterwards there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I'm playing. Fox suffered an avulsion fracture late in Sunday's Game 4 loss to the Warriors. That sounds painful. He's been seen shooting with a splint on his injured finger in Tuesday's practice. Fox said he had no problems dribbling and passing, and the biggest question was making sure he could deal with the pain in making his shot. It's the playoffs. The Nuggets had another chance to put the T-Wolves away on Tuesday night. The shorthanded Minnesota Timberwolves just fell short against the Denver Nuggets in Game 5 and are now eliminated from the playoffs. I'm Ben Beacon, host of the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and the Timberwolves led by double digits early in this game. Anthony Edwards came out of the gate like he was shot out of a cannon and ultimately had a really good game, finished with 29 points, did take him 27 shots to get there. He was 0 of 6 outside the arc, including the most important three-point attempt of the night with just over two seconds to play and a chance to tie the game. Anthony Edwards just back-rimmed the three-point attempt and the Wolves were sent home for the summer. Ant also added eight rebounds, seven assists, and again, a general all-around solid game from him. Carl Anthony Towns had 26 and 11, got better as the game wore on, and played really strong defense against Nikola Jokic, giving him a lot of trouble. But both he and Rudy Gobert fouled out in the final minutes of this game. The Timberwolves struggled mightily on the defensive glass, missing open shots. We're going to break it all down on the postgame pod. Subscribe to Lockdown Wolves. And a costly early penalty put the Minnesota Wild on the brink of elimination against the Dallas Stars. It's amazing how as this series goes on, it just starts to look more and more like last year. Hey everybody, Seth Topol, host of Locked on Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast, recapping a 4-0 loss for the Minnesota Wild in Game 5. They now trail three games to two in this best of seven series. Early on, Marcus Foligno called for a major penalty, a five-minute major and a game misconduct. So he was shown the door two minutes in. Dallas scored on the power play that resulted from that penalty. They scored on another power play, and they added two more goals. Jake Ottinger gets the shutout, and the Wild, pretty much after Felino left, were totally lifeless out there on the ice. And now we head back to the XL Energy Center with the Wild needing an absolute must-win game. And in Major League Baseball news, the Pittsburgh Pirates are taking a big trade chip off the board as Brian Reynolds signed a massive contract extension to remain in the Steel City. What's up, everybody? It's Ethan Smith of the Locked On Pirates podcast. And sigh of relief. It has finally happened. Brian Reynolds has signed 
his extension with the Pittsburgh Pirates, an eight-year extension. Of course, there's going to be more news to come about how the club option and not having an opt-out clause all comes into this. He signs for eight years, $106 million to stay with the Pittsburgh Pirates, where he's wanted to stay the entire time. The Pittsburgh Pirates riding a high at 16-7. and seven. This just adds to the high, so we're going to be talking about this later today on the show. We're going to be talking about it all week as more news comes from it, but Brian Reynolds has finally signed his extension with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I could not be happier. I'd want to play at PNC2, one of the most beautiful ballparks you will ever go to in any sport. Absolutely gorgeous. Here is another story you need to know. The LA Clippers tried to save their season with a big fourth quarter rally against the Phoenix Suns in game five, but it wasn't enough. Devin Booker, 47 points in this one. Kevin Durant added 31 of his own and a 136-130 win will send the Clippers home. No Paul George at all in this one. And Kawhi has been out the last couple games. Brendan Clean was in Phoenix. He joins me now from the arena. And, and Brendan, this has been the Devin Booker show over the last few games. We have talked about some of the depth issues that this team has had. If Devin Booker is going to play like this, maybe, maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah, you uh, seem a lot more positive uh, with the takeaways from that game. Maybe having lived it, it was just a little bit more uh, intense. The, it very much was a furious rally by the Clippers. I think a lot of the people on the Sun side of things are, are hitting themselves, feeling like it should have never even gotten to that point. But Devin Booker certainly uh, gave them the cushion. They were up almost 20 points at one point in this game. And then down the stretch, you know, yes, the Clippers fought. They started to make some threes. They created some turnovers blitzed Devin Booker to get the ball out of his hands. But on the Phoenix side, Kevin Durant didn't touch the ball, didn't didn't take a shot for about nine minutes until a breakaway dunk in about the two-minute mark. Um, that's a problem that continues to show that this team is figuring some things out. It's nice to win in five while you're figuring things out, but without some injuries, that might not have been the case. This this team is still a work in progress, I think, for sure. Yeah, I think the, the perfect embodiment uh, of that dichotomy is the Suns scored 50 in the third quarter, but they gave up 40 in the second quarter to a team without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. To me, that was the most concerning thing about this to give up 130 to a team without your two all stars. Like, how does that happen in a game like this? I think you do give some credit to the Clippers, right? I mean, Russell Westbrook was was not even close to what he had been previously in this series, and they still found a way. Um, I think they got hot from three, which hasn't happened in a lot of these games. They were getting offensive rebounds, which is, has been the case all series. And they, they kind of cob- cobbled it together. I don't know if there's necessarily one thing I point to as a weakness for the Suns. I think they're allowing interior pressure, rim, rim dives by the, by the guards, basically just letting you know, dribble drives in, in, inside and not having a lot of help at the rim. I don't know if that's something that's just underestimating the guys who are doing that and thinking, well, Kawhi and Paul George aren't in there, so therefore no big deal or something that will continue. DeAndre Ayton has proven that he can be a good playoff defender. I, I think that the Suns have to fall back on that. But yeah, it, it can't continue to be that there's lapses offensively and no defensive consistency because uh, those are not typically things you say about a champion. Yeah, lapses offensively and and inconsistent defense. That's usually not a winning formula. Mason Plumley in this one, 20 and 10 also to lift the Clippers a little bit. And that is bad news if it is a harbinger of things to come in a series against the Denver Nuggets who have Nikola Jokic ever heard of him. So what do you think is the most important thing that the Phoenix Suns need to get cleaned up before the second round? 
I think that they just need to develop some things that they can go to in tight spots, right? You know, I think part of the reason that the runs have, have, have continued for as long as they have by the Clippers in this series is that the Suns just didn't know what to turn to. I mentioned that they started to blitz Booker, get the ball out of his hands after his monster uh, middle of the game. And, you know, they uh, great teams that have played together a lot know what to do in that spot. And the Suns obviously have the IQ to do that. They just haven't done it enough yet. And there's not really going to be any substitute for that. They just kind of need to, to try to develop it, practice it, rep it. But I don't want to be too negative, right? I mean, this team did uh, just put up a huge showing, close out a series at home, and Devin Booker did some things on the court, dissecting that Clippers defense, hitting jumpers over the top of that Clippers defense that not a lot of players, not a lot of human beings can do with the ball in the entire world. And, and that's super special. And that's going to be the cheat code that they rely on time and again i mean kevin durant had a quiet 30 that's an insane sentence right so they're where they want to be they're where they want to be obviously having won a series but they they do still have these question marks that probably aren't going to go away anytime soon stay up to date all year on the phoenix suns by subscribing to locked on sports today and locked on suns on your favorite podcast app and on youtube coming up will levis did not go as high as some odds makers have him in our locked on nfl mock draft Who will be the first quarterback taken? For months, it's been a debate between Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Is a third quarterback entering the chat? Will Levis is shooting up odds lists as we get closer to Thursday, but in our Locked On NFL Mock Draft special, he did not get picked all that high. With the 23rd selection of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft, the Seattle Seahawks select Will Levis, quarterback, Kentucky. Geno Smith re-signed on a three-year contract in March. He's expected to be the starting quarterback moving forward. At the same time, the Seahawks have been very interested in all four of the top quarterback prospects in this class. In the event that Levis ends up falling into the 20s, I don't think that the team could resist the opportunity to trade back into the first round and select him as the quarterback in waiting to groom behind Smith. When you consider the physical traits, he's got a cannon arm. He can make all the NFL throws, and he's extremely athletic. This is a player that can run the football well. He can hurdle over defenders. Not sure if NFL teams are going to want him to do that, but he's got the athleticism and all of the physical traits to be a franchise quarterback. He's going to have to clean up his decision-making process and limit his interceptions at the next level. That's going to be the job of the Seahawks coaching staff in this mock draft to be able to get those areas cleaned up. And if they can, he's got a chance to be a very good franchise quarterback. What's crazy about this draft is Will Levis is now the betting favorite, according to our friends at FanDuel, to be the number two overall pick. And yet, it would not surprise me, and we had reporting as recently as last week, that Will Levis could fall. Could fall to 15, to 18, to 19. But a team could just as easily trade up to two and take him. Maybe he's the shadow pick at number one, the sleeper pick. We don't know anything about what makes a good quarterback in college and the NFL. We we're so bad at it. So it's almost just like I tr- I I can't even get upset about these teams because you're just throwing darts. You're just grabbing a lottery ticket. Is Will Levis that different from CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson? It seems like it. I've watched the tape. But we also seem to not know year to year. Because the NFL teams, guess what? They watch the tape too. And they know a lot about football. A lot more than I will ever know. These GMs have forgotten more about football than I will ever know. And yet they get it wrong all the time. Worrying about 
draft spot. It seems silly. Get ready for the NFL Draft with the comprehensive mock draft special that only our Locked On channel can bring you. Our local experts with our national scouting experts combined with our college experts. It's a lot of experts to give you what you expect for the upcoming draft. Find it on Locked On NFL on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. And finally, Aaron Rodgers will say hello to the New York Jets with an introductory news conference on Wednesday. He said goodbye to the Green Bay Packers in an Instagram post Tuesday evening. After many thank yous, Rodgers wrote, this is not the end for us. I will see you again, Green Bay. You'll always have my heart. It's worth noting here that right before that Instagram post, he posted a watch because he is a brand ambassador for Zenith. And that means Rogers' watch officially ended with a literal watch. Galaxy brand as always, Aaron. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen coming up tomorrow as we get you prepared as you can possibly be for the NFL draft. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.